0: Hi and welcome to episode 51 of No Crying in Baseball, the While the Cat's Away episode. My name's Patty and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. And I'm going to sing happy birthday to El Jefe.
1: No, I'm not going to sing. I'm just just going to say it. it. I'm
0: just going to say it. Feliz cumpleaños, El Jefe. Where the heck is El Jefe? It's his birthday, and he's left us to our own devices. Actually, he's left his devices behind so we can record the show, but he's not with us. But we'll try to do our best, El Jefe, and happy birthday from me, too.
1: Yeah, and I really hope I don't fuck up. I'm the one who pressed the magic button to start this recording. So let's just hope that we're all recording and everything's going well And I'm feeling a little sad, just a little bit. I'm kind of melancholy. Is that the end of the season melancholy? It's that end of the season. And especially being Nationals half-season ticket holders and not having a Nationals park to go to after today makes me feel a little sad. So we're recording this episode on the last day of the season. We have not seen the games yet. So you all know more than we do. Don't tell us yet because we haven't found out what's going to happen. But I'm just dying to know. We wanted to get this out out of the way so we could just go channel surf and check out all the games or MLB.com surf rather.
0: So we're going to kind of stay away from predictions today because, as Potty Mouse said, you'll know more than we do by the time this episode drops. So what we're going to do on this show is we're going to add our voices to a fond farewell to David Wright of the Mets. We're going to talk about some popularity contests at the cash register and in the American League MVP ballot box. We're going to say some nice things and some less nice things about the Yankees, because it wouldn't be us if we didn't say some Mm. lesser nice Mm. things about the Yankees. You get that. Um, We're going to say Addison frickin' Russell one more time, but that's because his ex-wife is now all in, so we'll talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about Roberto Osuna's peace bond, which ticks us off a little bit, but again, it wouldn't be us if we weren't just a little bit ticked. And then we're gonna have Potty Mouth's interview with Jay Sharman of La Vida Baseball, which I'm really excited to hear because I didn't hear it when it happened, so I'm gonna hear it when you're hear when you hear it. So it's all
1: very cool. It was lots of fun. Lots of fun. You know, we have some popular guys. Our guys are popular, or maybe we like popular guys. I'm not sure which way it goes. But did you know that there's a list of the most popular jerseys sold for the 2000? What what year are we? 18. Capitalism! 2000, Yay! <laughs> we keep track of these things. There
0: are stats for everything, even capitalism.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Well, we like popular guys, or they like us. I'm just going to go through the top 10 of jerseys and add a little bit of commentary maybe after each one. Number one jersey Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees, who is on your original Baseball Boyfriend League team. So you picked him out, you got number one, you did super well. Check out the power of uh, Yankees fan uh, money, right? Funding that. Number two is my little Jose Altuve from the Astros, and I'm really psyched to see him there. We're bouncing back and forth here. Number three, your boyfriend from the Cubs, Javi Baez. El Mago. Super sexy I want defense. his
0: jersey.
1: I would, too. You know, actually, I would, too. <laughs> Four, I get Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers. Pretty impressive. And I have to wait till number five for my very, very favorite Pookie, Mookie Betts of my Boston Red Sox. Number six is my cub, Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo. Number seven is the first one that's not us, and it's Chris Bryan of the Cubs. I think the kids have him. Do they? I that, think the kids may have him. I hope so. So he's, he's in our fantasy league is what we're saying. So he meets our qualifications. So these are all good guys, not just good players, but good guys so far. Number eight, Otani Shohei Otani of the Angels, who we have been following since the beginning of his appearance on the MLB radar. So we adore him, even though he's not on our teams. And then here's where I fall off the fucking cliff with <laughs> number nine, Giancarlo Stanton. So I held up for Judge. I, I listened to you with your reasons why Judge should be a fantasy baseball boyfriend. He has a lot of good things for him, and I just can't hold that to Stanton Because you know what, fucking Yankees fans, you guys are buying his shirt. You booed him off the field for days at the start of the season, and he's now shooting up to number nine,
0: right? I I think the Yankee fans don't deserve Giancarlo Stanton, but we do, him and his forearms. And, and the Red Sox absolutely
1: love him. So <laughs>
0: yesterday at, at
1: Fenway Park, he hit a home run. And the best fucking video gift that came out this this past couple of days is of the Red Sox fan throwing it back at him and hitting him on a one bounce.
0: Not cool. I'm going to insert not cool. Okay.
1: I do not condone this behavior. And I'm actually going to speak up against this type of behavior let- later in the podcast. But it's really funny. I, I, <laughs> do, I do
0: condone throwing the ball back to the field. Field, returning the ball to the field of play. Like, I don't need your damn home run. Here's the ball back. Just don't aim at the player. That's not good. Well, Who brought you, you up? You know, the Red
1: Sox bullpen is hurting going into the playoffs. Oh. I think they should track that guy down and get him <laughs>
0: fast. They, <laughs> they could use him. that aim, right? Like, they can make that aim work for them. Totally, totally. <laughs> hey, who's
1: number 10? I'm going to end on a happy note. Yadier Molina, my heart goes out to him for the cards just coming so close and not quite making it. But he really
0: deserves a top 10 jersey. He totally does. I'm going to get a little mushy about David Wright, who started out as my Mets boyfriend, but because he wasn't playing, I had to swap him out. But he was my original Mets boyfriend. There was a fond farewell to him. He hasn't played a, a game since 2016. He suffers from spinal stenosis, and he's had a bunch of neck and back and other injuries. So he's been out. And hes they just brought him off the DL so he could play this past weekend and have an official farewell so the Mets fans could cheer him on, uh, basically upon his retirement. So he was honored at last night's game. And in true Mets fashion, they couldn't get it done in a reasonable amount of time. So it went 13 innings before the Mets won, One nothing, and then they could actually hear his remarks. They didn't want to say goodbye. They just
1: wanted to keep him going on and on and on. Well, except that they pulled him out, like in the
0: fourth inning. Oh, all right, (laughs) all right. There's here's the adorable part and the funny part. The adorable part was the ceremonial first pitch was thrown out by his two-year-old daughter, Olivia Shea. How much do you love that? It was very sweet. You should watch this video and then you should say adorable and have a drink because it's totally worth it. And, and, and
1: save her name for in about 15 to 20 years and see if she's on the U.S. Women's National Team. She looked
0: good in the uniform. She got a little arm on her. So I have hope. I have hope for Olivia Shea. And the hilarious thing was at um, David Wright's last at bat, he popped out to Marlon's first baseman, Peter O'Brien. It went into foul territory. He caught the ball. And, you know, therefore, (laughs) David Wright was out. The crowd booed him so much. He is now like the most hated man. He's replaced Chase Utley in the most hated enemy of the Mets. And both David Wright said, he said, I feel a little sorry, but not so much sorry. And O'Brien said, "I love this. So there's nothing better than going into like a visiting, you know, being the visiting team in a park and being booed, because that means they know who you are, right? So it was kind of funny and kind of horrible. And there you have it. That was his last at bat. But then he came out after the game was over and and had his fond moving farewell and thanked the fans. And we're gonna miss him because he is a class act. He is total boyfriend material. He's good at what he does. He loves the game. He gives it his all. He's a good family guy. So." Godspeed, David Wright. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And to have that kind of fan support behind him, I'm going to shift the New York uh, direction over a little bit. And God help me. I mean, the past couple of weeks, I've talked about the Red Sox. I'm going the to... The past year, maybe. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> The so
0: past, so I tell tend- you? Wait a minute. The past 40,
1: you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah years. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I say the words Red Sox often. And the past couple of weeks, I've fessed up to it. And I've gotten a little bit vocal on this podcast. And I'm going to talk about the Yankees more this week. And not all bad. I'll get there. But <laughs> right God. now, I, I'm tipping my hat and maybe taking a sip of beer and praising them because they have some hot rookies going on right now. One of them is my new substitute boyfriend, although I need to make a shift because Torres is back and I kind of miss that. But the guy I picked after Torres is ML- MVP candidate, Miguel Andujar. Rookie of the year candidate. Oh, right. Whoops. R- Rookie of the year Rookie candidate. of the year. Yeah, yeah. not, not MVP. He's good, but he's not. Not even close. Not yeah. even <laughs> close. All right, wait, I haven't drunk enough, nearly. So
0: while you're doing that, I will uh-huh. say that the three people that are being talked about for Rookie of the Year in the American League are Andujar and Torres and Otani.
1: Yes, that's totally where I was going. I know
0: that. So I believe that.
1: Otani is sort of the favorite is what it seems right now. But I'm going to give a little bit of a plug for the two Yankees, which is totally out of character for me. But who knows? That's where I'm going. And Duhar has tied Joe DiMaggio for the most doubles by a Yankees rookie. And you I've know, heard of him. He was good, wasn't he? He was good, and he was really good-looking. He was very charismatic. And, you know, I just swoon a little bit, honestly, even as a Red Sox fan, when I hear the words Joe DiMaggio. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's pretty powerful. So I got to give Andujar a little bit of a a kudos there for doing that. And the other guy, Gleyber Torres, who's who's right behind him, I think, on his heels as far as rookie of the year. There, I said it right this time. Damn, my notes. He broke two team records with one at bat. And I like it that it's for the team. It's not him individually, but with one home run at fucking Fenway Park, he managed to get... everybody on the roster on the on the day, the normal day-to-day roster at over 20 home runs for the season. That's
0: enormous that is outstanding And damn he them.
1: set the the MLB MLB record for the team with most home runs in the season so I am really a little nervous about what's going to be happening in the playoffs but damn it Yankees, you got the babies doing this.
0: Go Oakland. May I just say, go Oakland yes, right go there? Ways, Is it the right thing? Ways. But, I'll but the kids, but them. the kids are all right. I'm, I'm okay with the kids. Let's talk about the MVP contenders. Now, we've moved on from rookie of the year contenders to the American League MVP contenders. Last week we talked about the National League contenders. This one's a really tight race. The popular vote is absolutely Mookie Betts. Woo! Absolutely. He's the popular favorite. He leads the the league with um, batting average and runs scored. He's got great defense. He has the highest wins above replacement. He's pretty awesome.
1: And he has got a great smile and he's a good bowler.
0: All of those things. And I'm sure all of those things are the, 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 the baseball writers uh, who vote on these things. I'm sure mm-hmm. are can take are taking mm-hmm. into account his good looks and, and his bowling ability. Um, but everything that I've read has him in competition with someone else. It's just that the other person changes. Some writers have him in competition with his teammate, J.D. Martinez, who in this particular group leads in RBIs and home runs. Not say for the league, but in this group he does. And in fact, one of their teammates said that Mookie is the American League MVP, but J.D. Martinez is actually like the Red Sox MVP because he's brought so much to the team. He's really helped the team as a whole be better. So that was kind of interesting that I thought. Other things I've read have put Mookie Betts in competition with Mike Trout, who everyone says is the best baseball player in the world. Um, he's got the best OPS and he's got the best on-base percentage, but he's not on a playoff team. We talked about this with the Cy Young and DeGrom being on a losing team but having the best DRA. How is how your team does going to affect the voting for an individual award like this? Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland team was pretty high up in contention for MVP until the last few weeks when his production sort of sort of tapered off. He was the first guy in the MLB to get a 30-30 season since 2012. Since then, Mookie Betts has done it. But he was the first guy. He was really on a pace, but that's hmm. dropped off. And also Alex Bregman of the Astros. He leads the league in doubles and all, and all extra base hits. Plus, he's got a 30-home run, 101 RBI season. He's doing really well. But I think Mookie's got it wrapped up. I hope so. I think it's like who gives the punch? You know, who
1: has that end of season punch? And and Mookie Betts did have a big punch in the last series against the Yankees. And I think that gave him a little bit of a push. But I think today what we're missing or what's going to be happening in an hour I think whoever has something remarkable today is yeah. going to have a big push for this. Yeah, and
0: it does seem like who's doing things at the end of the season, that's going to be the most memorable, no matter how you were in the first half of the season, what you do in the last couple of weeks, which is why I think that Mookie Betts and Christian Yelich are are pretty much Gibbons, as far as I'm concerned. I could yeah. be wrong, but that's who I think is going to get it. No, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on Yelich, too, because just the
1: past couple of days, he's been so powerful, and that's the game I think I'm going to run home and watch. So I said we were going to speak about the Yankees today, and right now is my negative turn. And I just want to say all this fucking admiration for CeCe Sabathia, one of my least favorite Yankees. Really, guys? Really? Uh, so CC Sabathia is getting all this notoriety and praise, praise from all over the fucking sports writing media for drilling a guy, it was against the Rays on Thursday, and he actually started it. I don't know why this. I'm just so excited. Patty's telling me to quiet down. Oh, <laughs> hey, Faye's going to kill me, but I'm just so fucking pissed off. He actually did the first hit, and I guess it was unintentional, but he hit the Rays' first baseman, Jake Bowers, and then the Rays reliever, Andrew Kitt- Kittredge, throws behind the head, of Austin Romine. And when I first saw Yankees Austin, I immediately went to the Joe Kelly Fight Club in the, in the big brawl that we covered at the beginning of the season. But it's not the same Austin that was Tyler Austin. This is Austin Romine. Anyway, the Yankees just have so many Austins and they're getting into trouble.
0: Wait, isn't El Hepe in Austin?
1: <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's cosmic. I thought, cheers. cheers it all that. comes together. Yeah. So, throws behind him. Words exchange between the pitchers and between the catchers. The catchers have a conversation and the pitchers have a conversation. Sabathia comes up next half inning and he drills Jesus. He has the fucking balls to drill Jesus with a 99.2 mile an hour pitch in the
0: leg. You know, that's not going to work out well for him in the afterlife. I'm just saying. Not a good Someone Someone is, is keeping score about that. This Jesus
1: that we're talking about happens to be the Rays catcher, Jesus Sucre, and he drills. Isn't that, wait,
0: isn't that Sweet Jesus?
1: Oh, it's Sugar it's Jesus. Sugar Jesus. <laughs> sweet Jesus. Sweet <laughs> Jesus.
0: Sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus.
1: He drilled somebody again. Oh my God! Beautiful. Thank you, high school Spanish. It's Beautiful. all I got. It's you, all I got. You did well. You pulled that off. So you see, the Sabathia drilled Sweet Jesus, Sugar <laughs> Jesus, and then. <laughs> And then as he's he's coming off the mound and going to the clubhouse, he says, this is for you, bitch. So the intention is there. He really intended to drill him. So everybody is... Wasn't that a
0: charitable thing that he did, though? Wasn't he really very giving for that? Yeah. So he
1: was two innings shy of $500,000 bonus for, I think it was 155 innings. If he made that through the season, he was going to get this $500,000 bonus. And so theoretically, he's looking like the martyr because he's throwing away this money. And he even said, you know... I don't really make decisions based on money, I guess. Just felt like it was the right thing to do. So all these bros are out there saying, right thing to do. He's defending his friend. He doesn't care about the fucking money, $500,000. You know what? I'm willing to bet, and shit, I'm a little worried about doing this on the air. But right now as we speak, he could be getting those two innings in today. Aaron Boone, I think, might have his back and could put him in for two innings of relief.
0: It's half a million dollars. It is not chump change, although he's kind of a chump for drilling, drilling two different people in the same game. Yeah, and he's Wait, been penalized, right? But then, why? How could he possibly pitch today if he was penalized? Well, he's appealing, and he, that's he's not appealing in any way whatsoever. He is unappealing. <laughs> he is totally unappealing.
1: But the bullshit that MLB is accepting this appeal is ridiculous because he said that was for you, bitch. So for him to appeal.
0: He's admitting it. Right? He's already admitted guilt. So how can you appeal if you've already said, yes, I did this thing? I don't know. But look at that. When, so when would this penalty start?
1: Next fucking
0: year. Next he's year. Yeah. OK for today
1: to get the $500,000. If Aaron Boone decides to grant it to him, we will see. You, you listeners know before I do. And postseason,
0: he's OK to play. Okay, so if CC pitches two innings today and gets that bonus, he better damn well give it to a charity. Yeah. Then I'd be okay with it. Totally. But I don't – yeah, I don't condone any of this crap. Can I go on to more crap? Your crap is worse. Your my, crap is my, worse. My, but this part is better of the – Worse? I don't mm. know if I'm wording that right, but last okay. week we talked about Addison freaking Russell. Addison fucking Russell. That's what I meant. And his ex-wife. And at the time she was not cooperating with, um, with Major League Baseball's investigation into the um, domestic abuse allegations against um, her former husband, Addison Russell. But now she says she is going to cooperate. And here's what happened. The divorce is final now. When this was going on earlier... She was advised by her attorneys two things. One is you're kind of an emotional mess right now. It's not a good time for you to to be interviewed, for you to testify about these things. And also, there may be financial repercussions. Finish the divorce proceedings. Get what you're going to get. You've got a child to raise. You've got this. If you are talking about this stuff, it may reduce you know, the financial stuff. And that kind of makes sense. And if that's that's what you have, that's what you have. And that was her decision. And even now, she doesn't really want to talk in public anymore about other than what she had already posted about what happened, but she does want to help other victims and other survivors of domestic abuse, like with, you know, being supportive and saying, I know, I get you. I know how you feel. You need to speak up. You need to take action. You need to be safe. All of those things. What I really like about what she said, this was mostly in in a phone interview she did with ESPN. What she wants to see is that sports leagues, not just MLB, but other ones, put some systems in place, some support systems, not just how to investigate after something has happened, but prevention stuff. And also, how do you support the victims of this as you go along? It's not just how do you investigate and punish the perpetrator, but how do you help the victims in this, which I think is a really good idea. So I'm really pretty proud that she is saying those things, and I hope somebody's listening. That is not easy. And I wonder
1: if the current events have given her the strength to be able to do this. Dr.
0: Ford being so brave and coming out and saying in detail what happened to her and other people because of that coming forward. Maybe that – yeah, maybe that was part of it. Power to her. I hope she feels the support of of all of us. On the other hand, I now have um, a visceral hate for the Houston Astros. Um, fuck him. I you know. Just and I always kind of liked him. I always kind of liked him. Me but too. Here's, here's... Damn it. Yeah, I'm going to end with Go Cleveland and I'm going to start with Go Cleveland because they're going to be playing the Astros in the first round of the playoffs. Here's the thing. Roberto Asuna, we've talked about him a lot now. His domestic assault charges, which um, were brought when he was in Canada when he played for the Blue Jays... Those charges have been dropped in favor of what the Canadians call a peace bond, which is an agreement that he makes of things that he will do in lieu of pursuing this through a trial. He has agreed to continue counseling and stay away from the person they're referring to as the complainant. We would probably call her the victim, but the complainant for a year. She lives in Mexico and she made it very clear she refused to travel from Mexico to Canada to Toronto to testify and the all the the lawyers involved said you can't prosecute without her testimony so the peace bond was pretty much the best they could get so okay I get that She has the freedom to say, yes, I want to testify or no, I don't. This is the best they can get. But what happens after is the thing that pisses me off. Mm -hmm. Here we go. So what did Asuna say in his statement? He said, now I can begin to put these allegations behind me and focus on baseball. I'm grateful to the Astros for providing me with the opportunity to play baseball and compete for a World Series championship. Come on. Well, screw that. And on top of that, the Astros general manager, Jeff Lunau, says that this has been a distraction for everybody. We're talking about domestic abuse allegations. It's a distraction. Well, sorry to bother you. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to pick this guy up, right? We're thankful it's behind us now, and we can focus on what's ahead that's the leadership of the Astros right you know now. and
1: fuck it I remember when we first talked about this whole asuna domestic abuse allegations issue and we were looking at the timing of the hearing and it was around now it was supposed to be going to court around now and the p- type of pressure that this poor woman, must be under, must have been under to just fucking drop it, especially like also looking at current events, looking at how these women's reputations, Dr. Ford is being every aspect of her life is being magnified. Who the fuck wants to go through that? Right. And so for this woman, I do not blame her. It's very unfortunate. But for the Astros to give a huge fucking sigh of relief and say, that's behind us now. Here we go.
0: Yeah, I am – I don't feel – I mean, I like a lot of the individual Astros, a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. Give me Altuve and Springer and Bregman any day of the week. And Verlander and and people who have – and Verlander and the pitching staff
1: who I so appreciate who have spoken against this issue to be put in
0: the fucking – bullpen with this guy. Right, right. And if the GM is going to say, oh, well, you know, that distraction's over, thankfully, you know, let's go ahead and world, win a World Series. Well, screw that. I'm a Cleveland girl anyway. I was already going to go say, you know, say go Cleveland. Now there's no doubt in my mind, go Cleveland, go fight and Franconis beat the crap out of this team because I'm really ticked at them. So at this point, no crying in baseball is saying go A's, go Cleveland. We are, we are. And you say that at this point because you want those teams to then match up with Other teams you care about, and then we may not be so friendly. We'll be civil. (laughs) Red Sox romp. Let's go,
1: please. I'm so nervous about today. I'm so nervous about today. You know what made me feel a little bit better about the whole Red Sox situation? Was this great interview that I did this week with Jay Sharman of Teamworks Media and who, who started, was part of the founding of La Vida Baseball, which is a source that I've been using continuously to get great information about Hispanic players for this podcast. It's Hispanic Heritage Month, but you know what? On No Crying in Baseball, we are always doing Hispanic Heritage because that is part of the fabric. That is part of the integral importance of Major League Baseball these days. But I got to talk with Jay Sharman. The minute I heard his voice, I could hear that little twang, and I just had to ask, those magic words, are you a Red Sox fan? He was born one. He moved to Chicago, so now he's a clubs fan. But here's what we had to say. I would like to welcome Jay Sharman to No Crying in Baseball today. We're really lucky to be talking to Jay at the, in the middle of uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. And something that we've looked at a lot on our podcast is the impact of Latino players. Jay Sharman is the founder and CEO of Teamworks Media. And this media company launched a site, a digital media platform called La Vida Baseball, which is really one of my favorite sources when I'm checking out Boyfriends for our podcast. And La Vida has a website, articles, social media presence, and a YouTube channel. And and so welcome, Jay. I've been reading your articles for a long time, so I'm really happy that you can join us on the show today.
2: Well, thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here.
1: One of the things that I love about La Vida Baseball is the way that you guys look at players sort of like we do with our baseball boyfriends. You're looking not just at what they're doing on the field. And in fact, I think you guys put a better emphasis on their lives, on what they're doing off the field, where they come from, and some of the difficult issues too, like a lot of uh, spots on the hurricane in Puerto Rico or the political situation in Venezuela. So I'm wondering, how did that come into being? How did you create this site? to look at the player as a whole, rather than really just fo- focusing on the sports end of things?
2: It's a great question. And I think like most good ideas, um, probably in retrospect, people like to take credit and say, oh, it was very strategic and it was quite happenstance, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know? And so uh, actually a guy in our office, um, was looking at some of the work that the baseball hall of fame was doing and looked like they had tried to do some stories years ago on Latino baseball. And at the time we had an amazing story that we were trying to sell as a documentary on kind of like the Jackie Robinson of Latino baseball a guy named Jorge Pasquel. And we said, you know, instead of doing a documentary, what if we just started covering these types of stories? One thing led to the next we cold called the hall of fame and they they quickly said, you know what? We are passionate about the same thing. We want to connect with the Latino audience. And we said, well, when then we started doing our homework. And everything that we saw out there was major sports media companies just translating baseball into mm-hmm. Spanish. And once I started talking to some of the, the smart folks, uh, Latino baseball media, they said, you know, just look at the stats. Most people are actually speaking English. Most Latino baseball fans use English. And we said, there's no one in the United States that's providing original content by Latino editorial for a Latino sports fan. We couldn't believe it. Right. And so we said, you don't need to hire a crazy market research firm to, to know that the passion for baseball by the Latino fan base is there. And that was kind of the impetus for it. And we started looking at it and then we at teamwork said, we, we just said, we have to do this. This has to be done. Um, and we had such great response from the Baseball Hall of Fame and others that we talked to that we ended up launching in 2017. And here we are, you know, a year and a half later.
1: Yeah. And that's the amazing part. I remember when I started reading your articles, I was thinking, how could I have missed this before? And I guess the answer was that I hadn't, that you had recently started and you sort of skyrocketed right away. Uh, You went from from zero at eight, 18 months ago to 6 million people reaching a month. And I'm wondering a little bit about where that turning point happened. Did you just have an explosion from the beginning? When did when did it take that turn?
2: We got a really nice original pop. The Baseball Hall of Fame, you know, helped with some of the PR behind it. And when, when they put something out, the world listens. Uh, what was awesome, though, was just so many people kind of uh, leaned forward and said, you know, this is – this is much overdue. And so it kind of took on a life of its own. That publicity really helped out of the gate. But probably what helped more than anything, and you guys are—you guys know this, uh, was really those players mm-hmm. in the year one just welcomed our bilingual staff with open arms, right? And it's – listen, I used to be a reporter. Uh, I used to be a producer at Fox Sports, and I don't speak Spanish, which is pretty ironic. Running, that, that's uh, interesting. Uh-huh. Right? And so – I'd be the same way. I'd go into the locker room. And if I knew a guy only spoke Spanish, I couldn't communicate with him. It's not that I didn't want to talk to him or share his story. I just couldn't do it. When you have somebody who's Puerto Rican going up to another port to Javi Baez, right. And they, or even somebody who only speaks Spanish in speaking to them, both culturally and language wise on their own terms, it's just, you know, a whole different type of storytelling opens up. And so the players were awesome. And then they would share our content when we would do stories. And that's really helped us get our street cred probably much earlier than we thought.
1: Recently, though, you did this 13-part series on Ozzy Guillen, who is, talk about a character that must have oh. just come out. Did it? Did he just go on and on and not fit into one of your boxes? How did this happen?
2: Once you start getting in the community, everyone knows what you're doing. And then it's easy to reach out to people. But yeah, that was an experiment, right? Like Ozzy, <laughs> Ozzy's a little bit like, like me, know. he's a
1: potty mouth. It's great. Like I love all the beeping and oh, I, I, I got to get yeah. some quotes from that one.
2: You just don't know what the hell's going to come out of the guy's yeah. mouth, you know? And so our producers did a good job because he's going on rants on all things and you had no idea where it was going to go, right? That was kind of the thought, right? He's controversial. He says whatever the heck he wants and let's just see how it goes and let's roll with it. So much fun. Do you know
1: anybody else in on the line for something like that? I could think that there'd be a lot of good candidates.
2: Yes, we have, we have plans right now to, we're doing some more serious stuff where we're going down to Puerto Rico kind of a year later and looking at what life is really like through the eyes of baseball. You know, we've got great relationships with Pudge Rodriguez and
1: Guerrero
2: and stuff like that. And so, but right now, I mean, we're looking at how are we covering the playoffs and the World Series, and where what are the stories going to be, right? So what are the stories going to be that the ESPNs and the Bleacher Reports aren't covering as it relates to Latino players? That's where our head's at right now.
1: Yeah, any leads on that? I mean, you know, my bent, being a Red Sox fan, I'm thinking Alex Cora is such a good story for you to be following, especially when they get to the World Series. What are your predictions on that?
2: You know, I think, like, Alex Cora is a great one, especially being – I mean, you know, living in Boston, it's such a fishbowl there. And just recently, right, like what he said about um, on Twitter about Donald Trump, Trump's oh, yeah. perspective, like, you know, politics is not something we aspire to get in the middle of. But I love someone that's not afraid to speak their mind and use their platform, whether you agree or disagree. We love like guys like Carlos Correa are, are really fun. You know, Javi Baez is tough to get to, but we've actually had some luck talking to him about like the way we the way we connected with him in a fun way was he was really into the Puerto Rican team going to the uh, World Series right so like the, just finding those connections the the little league
1: World, World Series yeah. that one yeah, yeah. i saw yeah. his little um bit that you of him toward the kids, wishing them good luck for the, yeah. for the World Series. And they sort of emulated him and the other players from the Puerto Rico team for the World Baseball Classic, right? They were the little Rubios and tried yep. to be like those examples. So it's really cool to see that relationship and that nurturing. Well, I've got to say, it sounds like a blast working for La Vida Baseball, and I encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing. Anything we or our listeners should particularly look out for in the near future?
2: No, I we just we're so excited to get exposure for um, for La Vida Baseball, and I, I mean, number one thing is give us feedback. Tell us what you want more of, and how we can help the baseball community better engage with uh, Latino baseball players and the fans. So come check us out and let us know what you think. So we appreciate it.
1: I know that I personally will definitely be doing that because I've enjoyed a lot of your content and I haven't opened my mouth, believe it or not, but I'm going to start doing that. So thanks so much, Jay, for for joining us today. I enjoyed our conversation.
2: Thanks. Likewise. Thanks a ton.
0: Take care. Thanks for that. I love that interview. I can't wait to hear more of that interview. And if you want to hear more of that interview, you can become a Patreon supporter of No Crying in Baseball. How do you do that? You go to... You go to patreon.com, no crying in b-ball. That's patreo ncom com slash no crying in b-ball. And you can get that whole interview between Potty Mouth and Jay Sharman. See what you missed right here. Thanks so much. Tomorrow is October.
1: That means tomorrow is October baseball. We are officially at that cusp from the season into the playoffs. It's a fun time. It's a bittersweet time because you know it's coming to an end. But we here at No Crying in ba- Baseball, we are not coming to an end. We are going to keep it up. <laughs> we are going to go through this postseason, even though our fantasy baseball boyfriend friend league is coming to an end I think our final stats will be out there next week, but Deborah took over after the All-Star break, and she's there. Power to you. I don't see these stats changing very much after after the games today. I just don't. But I guess we'll see, yeah. I, I hope not, because I'm in second, and then you're doubled up again for third and fourth. Tacoma Park Sox. We just have to give a little mention that we have a new basement team. Before um. it had been Vino Tinto all along, and the kids just dove in there, To be fair, one of
0: them has a concussion. All right, there's that. So yeah, it's not just they've been ignoring it this whole time, but one of them is actually concussed. So we'll try to use that as an excuse because that concussed person has been using that as an excuse for a lot of things. So it's so weird for us that a lot of things are going to happen in baseball between when we stop recording right now and when you hear this episode because we have all the last games of the season today and then we have maybe tiebreakers. We don't know. We will have maybe a a wildcard game or two. We don't know. So you're going to know more than we do. But in the meantime, oh my gosh, please tell your friends about us. Please subscribe. Leave us a review if you can. Find us on social media so we can stay in touch in between shows. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth.